if your perceived value of that purchase is more than what you paid for it, you're going to be happy. And once you start understanding what perceived value is with the customer and how to hit those levels of perceived value with the customer, you start understanding that so much more than uh, customers out there in air conditioning is they want so much more than just their air conditioner fixed. I mean, I, I tell my team all the time, I talk about it every time I bring a new team member so they can start getting their, their mental approach right is if a customer calls us and we go out there and fix their air conditioner, we met the least of their expectation. They wouldn't have even called us to start with. They think we could at least fix their air conditioner. So that's the absolute bottom of the bar. Now, what do we do to build on that? We answer the phone, not just answer the phone with words, but answer it nicely. Like we're happy to talk to them, like we're happy to help them. We're looking forward to taking care of their problems for them. Because a lot of times those customers are in crisis situations and they want to know that they're going to be taken care of. So it goes so much farther than just fixing an air conditioner. Welcome to the Home Service Expert, where each week, Tommy chats with world-class entrepreneurs and experts in various fields like marketing, sales, hiring, and leadership to find out what's really behind their success in business. Now, your host, the Home Service Millionaire, Tommy Mello. Welcome back to the Home Service Expert. My name is Tommy Mello, and today I have a guest visiting us from Sumter, South Carolina, his name is Jim Fetter, and he's an expert in small business, HVAC, and franchising. He started out in the air conditioning world in 92. And for about 23 years, he owned Jim's Heating and Air Conditioning. And in 2016, he made the jump to a franchise called AirServe of Sumter. Now, he's the owner of AirServe, which provides commercial and residential heater and air conditioning service in Sumter, South Carolina. And as I said before, he owned his own HVAC and heating business for 23 years. So he's nearly got three decades in the business, and here he is today with us. So awesome to have you here. Thanks for having me, Tom. Looking forward to it, man. It's interesting. You did it for a long time. You got to see, I mean, think about it. You got to see the the yellow pages was the, the big boys in the early 90s, all the way up to about 2005 and six. And then the search engines and other things like uh, Groupon and Living Social. And, and all of a sudden, they had Home Advisor, which back then was Service Magic. And all these different lead sources came about. And I feel like very few people that started in the, the 70s, 80s, and 90s were able to make that leap. I started right as that started in 2006 and seven. So tell me a little bit about, well, first, <laughs> I guess you could tell me about your experience in the business. And what got you involved in the, the business and maybe a little bit of your upbringing where you're at today, and then we'll dive into that. Yes, yeah, so I just, I mean, I started, I was the guy that worked for a company. I was a service technician and just wanted to do something on my own. Um, wanted to crack out and everything like that. I was pretty young back then in my early 20s and, you know, just felt like the right thing to do to break out and start doing it for myself where, you know, my hard effort, I felt like I was getting rewarded for it. So I was that, you know, chucking the truck starting out. And I was like that for quite a while. I'd, you know, have an employee or two, but I did, you know, there's many times when I did everything and just kind of went that route. And it's, it's one thing when you're younger and stuff, but as we get older, you know, we start thinking about our exit plan with your or business and things like that. And health issues, sometimes we, even if we don't have any, we know we could just be one setback away when we're the only person 
from having a stable, you know, it may feel like a stable to us because we're doing everything, but we're relying completely on ourselves rather than building a team around us that can do the job even when we're not there. So I didn't really know how to get there in a lot of ways. Um, sometimes going through some of that stuff, you don't know the answers to questions, but maybe even a worse feeling than that is not knowing the question to even ask. And I've seen so many things change in the industry in, in that time period. Like you said, early on, you know, we just dropped ads in the yellow pages and the phone rang off the hook. We had all the business we wanted to do, but things are changing. You know, you got, like you said, not all the Groupons and all the social media and everything that's taken hold. But even more so than that, what got my attention was all these big players that are coming in that are buying up the customer base, all the home advisors and, and all these Amazons and everybody now that's coming in and taking up that customer base and the phone just wasn't ringing as much for different reasons. It's just kind of about, you know, finding out the answers, wanting to be able to find the answers to those questions kind of sparked me towards the, uh, towards the franchise and everything. Yeah. So you're having a hard time basically. So when was the, the larger part of the business? How many uh, technicians did you get to when you were on your own there with uh, Jim's heating? I mean, we had times when we would have part-timers um, and we'd be 10, 12 people for short-term for big jobs that I would take on. But all in all, we were right around the, the one or two mark, really, for majority of the time. Yeah. You know, it has changed a lot in how you find customers, and that's one of the hardest pieces. So a lot has changed, and there have been a lot of valuable lessons. A lot of the things probably haven't changed. What do you think the franchise you said it's introduced you to a lot of people that you may have not met, like Josh Kelly, who's amazing. What do you think the franchise, if you go back, you know, five years, what's the difference? What have they taught you? Where are the good things? Because, you know, I've heard pros and cons from franchise, and it seems like you're a big advocate. So I'd love to hear what you love about it. I am a big advocate of it. The franchise, so like I said, some of the reasons were because I feel like I didn't have systems and some of the systems in place that I wanted to get in place, wasn't sure how to get there. And I just felt like the industry was changing and I wanted to be part of it. I wanted to be a part of where it's going. And the franchise, I still credit to the best business decision I've made since I've been in business. It got my wheels going. The franchise, Neighborly and AirServe that I'm with, um, parent companies Neighborly, it was so empowering when I joined with them. So a lot of what I've even heard you talk about in your podcast is the people that you surround yourself with. And AirServe is full of so many great people, so knowledgeable and corporate is just full of so many people, but not even just corporate, which is amazing. But it's all the other AirServe franchisees that are immediately part. It's like one big family. It truly is like one big family with AirServe and all neighborly brands. And I could go to any AirServe right now pull up at their front door, not tell them I was coming. They're going to welcome me in. We're going to look at whatever's going on with them. We're going to talk about things going on with me. There's no competition to it. It's all just how can we help each other? It truly is a big family. And I love that. In fact, when I joined the franchise, the one thing that I expected was to get systems. I expected, you know, why else am I going to join if I'm not going to get great systems and show me how to implement things and everything like that? The one thing I didn't get that didn't wasn't planning is the personal growth that I got from it. They have a code of values that they go by. And a lot of the personal growth that came with the franchise really caught me off guard. And I tell you, I've seen it in so many people with the franchise with AirServe 
since I've joined them, how real it is to them, how it just affects people on a more personal level than just a business decision. Yeah, it's been powerful. It is. It's a community and it's nice to have a community. I mean, it's so weird because a lot of industries like I'm a garage door guy. I go to a lot of HVAC shops and they don't care because I'm not competition and they've heard the podcast or something. So I kind of got a backdoor into a lot of these places. But a lot of times you're not going to walk into a huge HVAC shop and them give you all their secrets and stuff, which there's a lot there, camaraderie, personal growth. I wanted to ask you a, a question that I seem to see very common for kind of a chuck in a truck type thing that you talked about is, do you feel like you've raised your prices since you started a franchise in the franchise? Yeah, my whole price structure is completely different. I mean, I used to be the guy out there that was low pricing people. I'd snipe people's prices. I didn't understand where my pricing was, where it needed to be. We ran things different than we run them now. We ran things good. I feel like we always did a good job. What we're able to do now is just completely different. We were able to take our customer service level to a whole different things. I mean, the soft service softwares that we use, you know, we did everything paper back then. So just the electronics that we're able to use now that you just kind of everything got overhauled like immediately. But when I joined the franchise, it wasn't like things got easier. It was like I took on a new job to start with. I mean, for the first few months, it was reconstruct my business like it really needed to be to get it on top shape and everything. So it was like a crash course in business 101 and getting things like they needed to be. But it was good, man. I welcomed that. That's what I was looking for. So that was powerful. That was, that was important to me. So there's someone out there listening. They're not part of a franchise. They're probably two, three guys. They're, they go in and they undercut. They might not have a CRM yet. Their whole job, their whole mentality is these other companies, these franchises, these big companies charge too much. They're charging too much. They're making too much. You know, my point of view, you've probably heard is uh, they don't have any overhead because they don't have a CRM. They don't have that customer service. They don't take care of their employees. They don't have a place of business. So they work out of their home. They don't have a new vehicle. They don't have brand new iPads. They don't have a computer that works with a printer. I can keep going, but you know, it's not hard for a truck and a truck to make a profit. At least they own a job, not a business. But what do you say to those guys out there that were probably where you were 10 years ago? So, so you've got to build value. If you don't build value in the services you're doing, then you're just overpriced. And all those things that you list, it's understanding the value that you bring to them. All those things add value to the customer. Like you talked about employees. Nowadays, I mean, it's not just about cutting your, your employees' paychecks and stuff like that. It's really, I mean, we do having fun in the process events where we'll take my whole team, we'll set a goal for a month. We'll take my whole team to Top Golf or something like that for the day and just have a great time connecting back with the teammates. It's so important to them. That's one thing that we've missed a lot with the whole COVID thing going on over the last few months. It's been hard to do stuff like that. And it's really harder to connect with the team and get them. It's really showed just how important and positive those things were and how important they still are. So you got to find ways to do those things. You got to try in order to attract the best talent and keep the best talent. You got to take care of them. You got to be on the leading edge with taking care of them the benefits you provide them and everything like that. And all that's expensive. You know, all those things you were naming, vehicle wraps and nice vehicles and stuff. So you have a good image you're presenting out there. All the marketing that goes into branding and everything like that is so important. 
it's expensive, but it all comes down to you got to provide more value than what you're charging for, or you're just a high price company. And if you do that, you got happy customers. As long as you can provide more value than you're charging for customers. Yeah. You know, there's some things I just took there is even top golf costs money. I mean, I've got a lot of games here. They all cost money. I mean, it's not free. Today we bought lunch. I mean, we do this stuff all the time, but when you think about a company with, with 60 employees just working here, lunch is not 20 bucks. It's a lot more than that. And then now we've got our own internal customers we've got to look at. Or I feel like 20 years ago, the old mentality was just pay me more and I'll do the job and I, nine to five and I get home and I get my separate life. But they were disgruntled even though they didn't know it, right? And I feel like there's a lot of people out there like that. That's fair enough. And I, I'm okay understanding that. I think millennials want to be involved. We want to know where tomorrow looks like. Can we move up the ladder? Do you care about me personally? Am I in a place that I'm wanted? And well, it's hard to create it and it's hard to keep it. But once you do, there's no price that's worth ever going back. Um, yeah, I agree. And there's a lot of good questions that I have for you. I mean, what was the biggest challenge before you hit the franchise? I mean, I'm sure you keeping good talent was a big one because it's hard to pay good talent and keep them motivated. People like to know where they stand. They like to know the score. They like to have, and that's what technology brings. They like to, believe it or not, people leave my company sometimes because they go, man, you guys have a lot of meetings. You keep track of everything and then they leave and then they realize how much they miss it. <laughs> like, they come back a lot of the times because they're like, shoot, over there is the wild, wild west. We don't even get to see the owner for three weeks at a time. When he comes around, he's not pumping us up. There's barely any meetings. We don't have access to anything. We don't even know where we stand in the company. And so I'm a little bit of the opposite spectrum of that. But what were some of your challenges back then? Yeah, the challenges back then were kind of doing it all. When you're relying on, on, on primarily your back to do it all, and then you got one or two people. I never had a lot of problems with the recruitment part. I, I just never really had to do much of it. The people that I would have working for me, they would stay for me for a while. They would stay. Really, a lot of the times they ended up being friends that I hired, people that I'd known in the business from doing it for so long and stuff. And it wasn't even a recruitment thing that I would go through. And I mean, we'd just be talking and like, hey, man, you want to come to work for me? Almost in a joke. Um, and like, I don't know, what would you pay me? And, you know, it just kind of worked it out. But that only goes so far. You know, I mean, if you're talking about really putting a team under you, you got to learn about recruitment. You've got to learn really building up the team, the chemistry, the morale in the team and all those other things to where you bring the right people in and bringing the wrong person in really hurts. So you just got to learn from it and everything. So the biggest difference is I never relied on bringing a lot of people in. So I didn't have to get good at recruitment. That's something I've had to really learn a lot over the last five years to build a team and the team that we have. Yeah. And, you know, a lot of times I feel like we settle. We settle for what we have. There's never any top grading. You know, I had a good budgeting meeting last week, went very, very productive. And I get a lot of fight back about, and this is a golden nugget. If anybody's listening to this podcast, I'm going to give them some gold right now. It's, there's still guys that are profitable and they're good employees. The problem is their peers have raised a higher bar. So I believe you should take the mean or the median, if there's outliers, the median, and you should hold people accountable to that and put them on performance improvement plans. And then I have managers that said last week, 
well, Tommy, if we're still making a profit and they're good employees, then who cares? And I said, here's the difference. If you were to draw four lines of marketing, one is just SEO and some basic stuff, maybe deal of the day sites. Two is, all right, we're going to spend some money on SEO. We're going to get somebody to optimize our Google My Business pages. We're going to do some PPC, some mailers. The third level is we're going to go all out in mailers. We're going to do every deal of the day. We're going to be on every forum. We're going to do the pay-per-click. The last one is when you're doing billboards, TV, radio that actually improve your click-through rate and save you money because you build a brand. You'll never make it to that fourth layer of mediocrity. You'll never be able to build a brand. And here's the biggest thing that I want everybody to understand is, um, Jim, this is huge. Because if you never are able to spend that money on branding, You'll never excel your client level. So that means I'll never go out to the, the clients that just want to call because they want it done right. If you don't spend the money on the branding and never make it to that fourth layer, you'll never get the clientele you want to become a huge company and make a lot of money and a lot of profit. So by settling and keeping the status quo, you're not only holding the company down, but all the employees that are excelling, you're holding them down. So they're going... Why aren't we getting the right calls? Well, how come I never, I hear about this other company and it's true, they'll, they'll go out to like all the NBA players, the NFL players. You'll never get to those players' houses unless you spend the money on the brand. And these people don't care about the price. So by accepting mediocrity and saying this person's trying their best, but they're still not cutting it in the call center or the dispatch or the technicians or the installers, you're literally screwing the entire company over. And I just, they don't understand it because they don't like the top grade because it's what happened yesterday matters so much, but I'm always in tomorrow. No, 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 let's talk about next year. Let's talk about right. what we're going to do. And so many people get caught in the past. So I just wish people understood that you got to hit this level, then you got to hit the next level, then you got to hit the next level. And the way you do that is through top grading. More importantly, training. I don't believe that if you got somebody that's trying their best and giving it all they have, you need to top grade them. You need to might maybe find a different spot for them in the company. Because not everybody has the same personality, but to say we're going to accept mediocrity, I think, is a huge, huge mistake. And a lot of companies, 99% of companies at a certain point, they just accept it. I think Jack Welch did a great job with General Electric when he said we're going to top grade the bottom 10% of every department every year. And on December 31st, they're going to know where they stood because it's going to be a fair metric. And they're going to walk out happy and still giving us five-star reviews but understood that their peers beat them. So he created a constant evolution of the company. You know, I, I'd love to know when you started. So you, you started AirServe and you got three months under your belt that you learned about the technology, how to create the lifetime value of a customer. You learned probably things, like you said, hiring, recruiting, training. Tell me, after the first three months, what were those aha moments when you actually had systems and processes to rely on? Well, it's a lot of aha moments, really. It's, uh, I mean, it's kind of a, it was a continuous stream of them. It's, you know, we have a very well-defined process for how we run a service call. So we have consistency. Every time we run a service call, it's the same. Their customers are going to get the same product from us, same, same benefits. They're going to see the same thing. It's good for the technicians. They know what to expect. They know what's expected of them. And it, it just goes on from there. It's having a a proper sales system in place and stuff like that so that we can make sure that when we go and we're talking to a customer about a replacement or something like that, and we go through all those things with them to find out what all their needs are. So many contractors out there don't spend the time to do that. 
Well, we do. We want to know well, not just what they need today, but what they want. You know, a lot of things come down to uh, a lot of things like nowadays, you know, indoor air quality is talked about so much with, with COVID and everything. We've been talking about IQ products for five years and believe in it. Uh, indoor air quality is, is a huge issue across the whole United States. And it's something that, that we need to educate on. And uh, a lot of contractors don't take the time to learn about it themselves, teach their employees about it, teach their employees how to talk about it, how to install it, how to work on it, how to convey that to the customer so that they can see the benefits. And then just give them an opportunity to see what, what's right for them, what works for them, what would they like to have. And that's what it comes down to is just being the ultimate consultant for our, our customers is what we want to be. I like that consultant or, or advisor, the trusted advisor. Mm-hmm. Everybody I've talked to, I called my number one guy on installations. And he said, Tommy, no matter what, I spend the first 20 minutes getting to know the customer. I hear this. I've got a new number one guy in the company. Started out as an apprentice. He's a junior tech. He's now the number one closing rate. Because you find conversion rate and average ticket go hand in hand. Because if you're not converting them, it cuts it in half. If I have 500 and a zero, I'm actually averaging 250. So he earns more customers' business. And I talk about these things quite a bit. But the fact is that he said, Tommy, I'm going to spend a half an hour. I'm going to treat each customer like they're my friend. And they become my friends. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to ask them, if they're selling their house, we're not talking about a bunch of air quality for the new owners because that's not the best thing for that person. Or if it was my mother, I was talking about this. My mom's moving out. I need to have a good AC unit that works, that the inspector is going to say A-OK and not say it was a kind of a MacGyver fix on it. Uh, those of you who know MacGyver, a little bit older. But uh, <laughs> You know what I mean? It's like, to me, it's getting to know. And it's so funny that all the top people say the same thing. And typically the bottom people, they've got the excuses, man, the weather has been screwing us up and now COVID's messing us up. And, you know, for some reason, my customers, they want to always fix it themselves. And they didn't call us if they wanted to fix it themselves. Even today, I was on a phone call with with guys that are on the field supervisor program. And they didn't make a lot of excuses, but they definitely, you could just see and I said, you know what's funny? When a guy goes and trains, and I, I force ride-alongs, uh-huh. is you know what they say, the guys that they're not very good? They say, I say all the same things. I do it exactly like they do it. And I say, I don't doubt you, number one, but the customer doesn't like you. They don't trust you. You didn't smile enough. You didn't say it with the right tonality. Their body language was off. You're not sure of yourself. You didn't give options. You didn't read the room. There's so many other things than just saying the exact words. And so many times we miss that. And I've been reading a book. It's, um, it's called uh, The Sales Boss by Jonathan Wisman. And it's a very, very good book so far. It's, uh, I'm listening to it on Audible. And it's just sometimes as a CEO, it's not just sales guys. It's your call center. It's your recruiters. It's your trainers. It's everything. And I think that probably what you have is a lot of insight to is you've got help now from the franchisee or the franchisor to all of those things. Mm-hmm. And do you think that the franchise has specialists for each and everything? And I don't know how big they are. What do you guys use as a CRM? We use service Titan. Yeah. So Titan obviously is a monster in the space of everything home service. How much freedom do you have when it comes to hiring or marketing or pricing? What's the plan on all that? Yeah, so the franchise is really support. They're just really um, pretty much almost entirely just a support system. 
they do some national ads and stuff like that, obviously. And some they have some national marketing that they do and everything, but they don't tell me who to hire, what to charge. They show me tools so that I can figure out what my labor rate should be. So they teach me the business side of it so that I truly understand they don't dictate anything to me with any of that, but they show me, they talk about value. Like I said earlier, if you provide perceived value is a penny more than what the customer gets, they're going to be happy. It doesn't matter if you go to buy a combo at McDonald's or a brand new Chevrolet truck. If your perceived value of that purchase is more than what you paid for it, you're going to be happy. And once you start understanding what perceived value is with the customer and how to hit those levels of perceived value with the customer, you start understanding that it's so much more than uh, customers out there in air conditioning is they want so much more than just their air conditioner fixed. I mean, I, I tell my team all the time, I talk about it every time I bring a new team member and so they can start getting their, their mental approach right is if a customer calls us and we go out there and fix their air conditioner, we met the least of their expectation. They wouldn't have even called us to start with. They think we could at least fix their air conditioner. So that's the absolute bottom of the bar. Now, what do we do to build on that? We answer the phone, not just answer the phone with words, but answer it nicely. Like we're happy to talk to them, like we're happy to help them. We're looking forward to taking care of their problems for them. Because a lot of times those customers are in crisis situations and they want to know that they're going to be taken care of. So it goes so much farther than just fixing an air conditioner. And I mean, I would say that's across the board with anything, whether you're a plumber, electrician, you know, garage door, whatever it is, customers out there, they're looking for more than just the minimum. And when you provide that, then you have a right to charge more and it costs more to provide those services. So we have to charge more in order to stay in business. So I kind of went astray, but the franchise has just really helped me to understand the business side of it so that I'm able to properly price what we do. My prices are a lot higher than they used to be. They have to be, and we provide so much more service. Yeah, well, I'll tell you, this is what I talked about in my morning mojo call today. I said, people are standing in line to pay $60 for steak. Sometimes you need to request a, a reservation. The deal is, you're right, the perceived value is more. Sometimes I offer an opener when people don't need it. And you know why? Because they want the technology. They want to be able to open and close it. They want to decide for themselves that they want something brand new that's quieter that they can control from their cell phone. And you know what I find? And I've read a lot of forums on different companies, HVAC specifically and garage doors, is when you look at Indeed and uh, Glassdoor, the one stars are these guys always want me to sell stuff that people don't need. And that's just not the case. It's because you suck. It's because you suck at listening. You suck at learning. You've never been trained properly. The problem is you don't need to sell anything somebody doesn't need. You need to give the consumer the option to buy. If you don't yep. mention it, you'll never be successful. And that's the most annoying thing I think in the world is that people decide what their customers should get instead of giving them freedom to pick and choose on their own. And to have options and to be able to say, this is what I would do. And to be able to say, here's why I'm going to give you what I think will be the best for what you just told me. For example, Jim, you told me you're going to stay in your house another 20 years and raise your family. Obviously, with COVID going on, air quality is a concern. You said that your wife was uh, susceptible to dry skin and dry irritation, as well as bloody noses. We could talk about that. We could talk about the humidity. We could talk about a lot of things. This room is not getting near the airflow as this other room. Let's talk about the return. Very few 
people even know what I'm talking about, but I'm going to make sure that we commit to excellence with you and that you're taken care of and your family's taken care of. Nobody talks like that. Nobody cares about that. No one's talking about the follow-up tab on service Titan as much as they should be. My top guy just passed a million dollars last night. One of my top guys. Million dollars in the restaurant industry is a lot of money. I know guys in the HVAC that do 12 million a year. You know, the greatest of all time, Dale with uh, and Goodrich wow. does. But, you know, a million dollars in door sales for us is a lot. And we celebrated today. You know, the one thing that he told me is, Tommy, he called the customer 22 times to follow up before they bought. Wow. It's the one thing that I think is the most common mistake that most companies fail at is they don't follow up. They don't have a system. And today I just got a text message from my guy at my auto shop. And he said, I can't believe you guys, they shit on this van so much. It's only been three months old. It was a used van, but it looked like new. And I said, well, that's a great point. There's no system around it. So now I'm creating a checklist for each week that there's a person designated to check the van and make sure it's clean. And the thing is, is most people would have said, oh, well, there's no accountability. And at least I'm able to look at these things and say, the reason why is there's no system, there's no standard operating procedure, there's no checklist. And these people let the same things happen to them over and over. I mean, Jim, you did it for 23 years. You let the same things happen to you over and over again, but you didn't know there was anything better, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I need to crack my mind. Like I said, that's one thing. Once you start opening it up to other things you didn't know about, it really gets your mind going on what other possibilities are. And then you start kind of taking hold and coming up with great ideas. And they all, all won't work. So I used to listen to Brian Tracy a lot whenever yeah. I first business. And I used to sit up here at my office and when everybody else would go home at the end of the day, I would stay up here till 12, one, two o'clock in the morning, sometimes setting up new financing and, and just all the other things that I was overhauling with the business. And I would literally play Brian Tracy on the TV. And, you know, he talks about throwing darts at the dartboard. Doesn't matter whether you're good or bad. You throw enough, you're going to have a couple that stick pretty well. Leave them up there. Go pick all the ones off that you missed the dartboard with. Pick them up and throw them again. Leave the ones that stick and do right. Like he was really powerful when he said, you know, the most successful people are the ones that fail the most. If you don't try, you won't have successes or failures. But that's kind of a not the best way to live a life. That's not how I want to live my life. And so don't be scared to fail. Just when you do fail, put it behind you and try more and just keep doing the things that do work for you. So that was really encouraging. Like listen to a lot of that stuff that I would listen to when I was, and I would literally play his seminars. He had one, that was about two hours long and I would literally play it three or four times in a row. At times I would be up here at the office so long working on different marketing stuff and everything like that, that we'd be working on. And just the power of repetition of hearing it over and over again. And yeah. Yeah, I used to listen to Tom Hopkins all the time and the sales master and just, he'd always say, don't reinvent the wheel. Say it exactly like me, because if you reinvent the wheel, the words don't come off right. And so that stuck out to me because everybody says, listen to what we have to say and then make it your own. The problem is, <laughs> there's this old Polish joke I'm thinking of, but I'm not going to say it. But <laughs> you, try, you try to make it your own, it just doesn't come out the same way a lot of the time. So I think the best training in the world is done through repetition and it's repeat back to me what I just said and it's role playing. And mm -hmm. there's one thing is the ability to connect. One of my guys, he called me up, Justin, about three weeks ago. And he's like, you know, I had to push two customers car out and jump it for them. 
And he goes, these poor old people, man. And he's talking to me about them. And literally tears came down his eyes when he was talking to me. And that's how much he cares about our customers. And you can't build that. You got to find it. And that's where recruiting comes in is to find somebody that cares that much. And when you literally have tears rolling down your eyes from 85 year old people that are just so in love, but they needed help. The difference is, is you found somebody and I'm really proud of Justin, but I'm proud to say that my team had recognized who he was and brought him in. And to have Mm -hmm. a guy like that behind us is a lot. I mean, you realize when you get people like that, you're stacking the deck, right? Absolutely. You you have a lot of people the same way, right? The the people that actually care. That's right. I mean, you know, it's not about what they know. Um, Ability can be trained as long as it's a smart person. They have the right attitude. One of the worst things you could ever do is bring somebody in that's maybe the best technician in their field, but hard to get along with. He ruins your chemistry and your team and stuff like that and brings everybody else down. They might be phenomenal at what they do, but it's really about having that right chemistry and the right person and everything like that. Smart person. You know, there's a lot of other qualities other than just being a rock star technician that we look for. And sometimes, you know, you need those people that are really good at their job and everything. Obviously, it takes time to learn that stuff, but they got to be a right fit. If they're not the right fit, then they're probably not the right person. Yeah. It's hard to do. It's hard to get rid of somebody that's very good, that hits the numbers, and then but they don't get along, really. I think that's the biggest mistake is I've gotten rid of top performers because they were the worst attitudes, and they were literally cancer. They say one bad apple kills the whole bunch, and it's true. And it's mm-hmm. amazing how much the others turn around when they see that that – because that usually that person gets preferential treatment and it really disenheart it just disenfranchises the whole company. And I've been part of it. I mean, there are times where I'm like, I got to pay the bills to keep the door open. I mean, I, I know this guy's got a crappy attitude, but maybe it's because I'm a crappy leader. Maybe it's because my culture I built. Maybe sometimes we got to look in the mirror and say, is it because of us? Because I've let go maybe of some people that I shouldn't because maybe I was in a bad mood. Maybe I wasn't the best leader. Maybe I misled them of some sort. So uh-huh. having that open field of communication, I mean, I've always liked to listen to mom and dad's story. Mom has a story. Dad has a story. Then there's a real story, you know? Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, you said something that I really think is important there, too, because I think as the leader of our organizations, we have to always look at ourselves first. We're human, too, right? And we have bad days, but we can't show our employees we have bad days. We have to always be upbeat, good energy level. That's what we have to bring to the table. So I think it's really important if something's not going right, we always have to look at ourselves first to make sure it's not something that we've started doing that's bringing the rest of the team down. Because like so you talked about, I think you said the law of lit earlier, that's powerful, right? Our team can only go as far as we, our leadership levels will take them. So we have a responsibility to our team to always be keeping tabs on ourselves, making sure we're doing right, building up our leadership skills and so that we can take them to the next level. Because Like you said, the good people that we want to bring on the team, they're looking for that future. They want to know what that future is, especially millennials and stuff you talked about. They want to know what the future holds for them so that they can see, you know, where they're going. And when they know that, it's powerful. They work harder. They strive to do their job better. All the little things, all the little things start happening then. Yeah. We touched on it earlier. And. I do believe that no marketing source is created equal to other ones. I think that there's, there's ones that'll give volume. There's ones that'll give way less volume, but better customers. There's 
there's all different marketing out there. I'm just curious now that you've dove into the franchise, which I'm sure they're looking at Google guarantee your, your reviews. They're looking at your social media. They're checking out your organic. There's all these ways to get found now. What seems to be the ones that stand out now that you're in the franchise world? If you had to give it your top five sources versus what they were back in the day with the yellow book, what would they be? Yeah. So, um, SEO, is always so important. I mean, you build that so many different ways with, with content you put out there and stuff. And, and it's important stuff because the same things that fuel the whole organic side is making customers happy. I mean, cause that's your reviews, that's commenting on social media. That's all that sort of thing that's going into it to uh, make stuff like SEO so popular. LSAs, of course, it's a given, you know, with Google LSAs now since they've taken hold so important, everything like that. We still do pay-per-click. LSAs kind of put that on a step back a little bit whenever they've you know, taken hold like they have, but we still do pay-per-click and still get good traction with that. We've really actually started doing more branding stuff, uh, more things on the radio and stuff over the last year or so. And I think that's also what's helped our SEO and organic type leads that we get where we just don't find ourselves having to run early bird specials, mid-season tune-ups, all those things to try and get the technicians in the door and provide, you know, show the customers what we're about that we used to run and gun and do um, earlier on in our process with the franchise, even when we were building up that customer base and everything. So, um, yeah, it's just uh, so now we're getting more into the branding side of it. And obviously we get a lot of that with corporate also. So, yeah, we yeah, use some of the sources too. Yeah. So that's the fourth level I'm talking about to where you're going to be turning that when you hit that fourth level, that means all the cylinders are firing. That means that you've got the right person to the right customer, the right conversion rate, the right booking rate. And when you hit that, what's going to happen is some of the coupons you used to do will start going away. You've got to actually make a choice because you're going to have so many customers and you're going to have to decide, and that's when you shift your marketing. Now, there's a purpose for Groupon. There's a purpose for Deal of the Day sites. There's a purpose for Valpac. There's all these things that transition over time that when you go into a market, you don't start out with that because you got to get the right people. You got to get them trained. You got to understand there's a different avatar for every single city, even if it's the same industry. I mean, Albuquerque is not the same as Phoenix. is not the same as New York. What works there might not work the same here. Yelp. They say it doesn't work in the East Coast, the same as it does here in Phoenix and like, for example, San Francisco where they're headquartered. So, you know, marketing is such a big deal, but that's what's nice about being in a franchise is a lot of times they have the critical math to make assumptions and they get to teach you a lot. I know a lot of guys like Kevin Wilson, who um, I went and visit him for a couple of days and he owns or, or sold a company. I think he sold to Neighborly. It was called the um, uh, Mosquito Joes. They sure did. Yeah. Yeah. But he's starting a bunch of other ones and he, <laughs> he's got it figured out. And I asked him a bunch of questions and I got to learn from a guy who sold for lots and lots of money. He told me, I can't say, but it's super cool to see a company that's sold to a company like Neighborly and watch the way they work and do. And trust me, they know what they're doing. I actually... Got a letter from them. I think they send letters everywhere, but uh, they've got a good outreach program too. You know, what is this some advice you'd share with the listeners who want to become a franchise owner? You know, why don't we do the good, the bad, and the ugly? Because I know it all, you're giving up some money each month. 
but you're getting mm-hmm. the infrastructure. So what advice would you give? I guess it comes down to the individual, where their business model is at this particular time, when they're thinking about doing it, where they are, you know, what do they have figured out? You know, there's a lot of people that probably figure it out, you know, on their own without having to go through that. Ultimately, I think it's, it really comes down to the more people you surround yourself with that know the industry, know business and things like that, that stuff's going to rub off on you. The franchise is a really good way to put a, a fast, get you in crash course into getting where you want to be in a really short time frame rather than all the pain of learning and, and a lot more mistakes along the way. So the franchise is really good for the support, the background. I mean, there's so many people I could pick at the phone right now, and I don't even know how many people I would have that I could call for a particular question. I mean, it's, I don't know, anybody, any franchisee, any corporate person, any of the, the AirServe corporate people, I could call anybody. I mean, they have marketing specialists, they have sales experts, they have all that stuff. So it's all about learning. How can you accelerate your growth is going to come with your learning. So anything you can do to accelerate that with the people you put around you is going to help that. So it's really good. You know, there's fees involved with it. It's kind of funny because I actually had a conversation with the customers when they asked about that. We talked about the franchise when I was on a uh, sales call with a customer and they were, you know, they flat out asked me, they said, well, you know, how does that work? I imagine you have royalties. And I said, we do have royalties, obviously, you know, as part of the franchise and everything. But how do you put a price on some of the stuff? How do I put a price on some of the relationships I've made for people that I would have never met if not for the franchise? And I'm talking about people within the franchise. I'm talking about people outside the franchise that I have come to meet and everything now. It's just so many things. Where I am now versus where I was when I started. If you keep doing what you've always done, you'll get what you've always got, right? Well, that's what I did for a long, long time. And that's not what I'm doing anymore. And my results are completely different. And I have to give so much credit to the franchise for helping to show me and give me tools to be able to implement to do that. There's cost involved with it. Franchise doesn't work out for everybody. But a lot I think is, are you going to implement? Are you going to take it on like joining the franchise or something that's going to put me on the on easy street and I'm not going to have to work? You heard me say a while ago, when I joined the franchise, it was like taking on a whole nother job to start with because I wanted to implement their system. So it's just what you put into it. If you don't ever put the work into anything, you're just never going to make any difference, right? Or not going to make much. You can't expect to have good results if you don't put the effort in. You know, if it's something that somebody's looking for growth, I would highly recommend it. It's a great source. And it's not just the franchise either. Like you talk about Josh Kelly. You know, Josh Kelly is, is one of the smartest people I know. He's super smart. And they do consultants. So there's people out there that consult also. This just depends on where your level is. I think the franchise altogether brings so much different stuff to it, even up and beyond the consultants. I mean, it brought my, my CRM, Service Titan, where we were able to implement that. Even things like QuickBooks and stuff like that, we already have a baseline for how these things are set up, and I don't have to set it up from scratch. You know, our, our national, our websites and everything are monitored and, and kept up and everything. So we have so much stuff that would just be so time consuming if I had to do each and every little thing. And I know that there's just some of the top people in the industry that are monitoring that stuff to keep it on par with where it needs to be. So it's an expense. It's an investment. And I think that 
they're laser focused on one thing. And that's what I'm trying to build at A1 is that there's a specialist for every single factor, whether that be my mail pieces, whether that be anything, because I'll spend a million dollars a year on mailers, uh, direct mail, if we break the code. So we're always working on ABC testing. It's AB testing, but I, I think we should test a lot more. Uh-huh. And, you know, you mentioned something really interesting and it, it's huge. And I wrote down a, a few people, Service Titan, my insurance brokers, Paylocity. I mean, between the big things that Service Titan throws and really the things they've done for me and the introductions they've made, the insurance brokers, I mean, they'll introduce me to anybody in any business and I go visit a lot of them. Paylocity, I mean, I'm good friends with a lot of the hired guys up there. They do a lot for me. They've brought me what a franchise kind of does. They brought me the introductions because I've went out and asked. I've wanted to spend time with people that are higher up and better than me. And it's surprising how many people will take the time to take a couple hours with me and just go have lunch. And I might be able to educate them. I'm giving out names all the time and it's kind of a full circle. A 360 comes right back as uh, you know, I've tried to help everybody big, small, medium, large. I don't care. I think it's giving back and then it comes back and people will always are introducing me saying, Hey, I got a guy for you for this. And it's the ability to network that makes us human beings so smart. I mean, it's the ability to learn off of others and continuing to move along. That's evolution. And it's something that human beings have that no one else has. So if you're not out there networking, if you're not out there learning, if you're not out there asking a lot of questions, you're the smartest guy in the room and that's not where you want to be. You should be the dumbest guy in the room. And you should be asking all the time. And you gave a perfect example of why a franchise makes sense. And I've always thought about doing a franchise, except I know that when I go in the franchise business, I'm no longer in the garage door business. Now I'm in a lot of guys looking for a turnkey and it takes a lot of work. You can't tell people that you haven't busted your ass just as much, just on different things, but you're still, it's not easy. It's not like, Ooh, I signed up for this franchise and I get paid every week now and they do everything. Right. No, right. They're just there for support, but they can teach you how to do it and how to do it. Right. So but they're not, yeah, that's right. And they are there for support. So many people think they sign up for a franchise. You know, McDonald's makes you work. Before you could buy a franchise, you got to work in the franchise. You, really? you have to have a certain millions of dollars in the bank. Like all these people think, hey, I'll just buy into this franchise and I'm set. No, 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 no. They're going to give you manuals and they'll give you the know-how and they'll tell you what to do and they'll give you best practices. But they're not going to run the business. If they wanted to do it, they would do it themselves. Mm-hmm, right. They wanted to raise some money, make something explosive. And help out a lot of people. And they got money to invest because you had to pay into the franchise fees, right? Mm-hmm. That's right. So every town, there, there's different sized markets. I'm sure there's smaller markets. You got to pay less. And in a huge market, you pay quite a bit more. And then they only let a certain amount in. Like, what's your closest neighboring franchise to you? A couple hours away. So in South Carolina, there's, I believe there's five right now, five franchises in South Carolina. So how many franchises are nationwide? Over 200. Yeah, and they're up in Canada too. And Neighborly even has Europe, some over in Europe and stuff like that. So they are worldwide and everything. Just depends on particular brands and stuff. Yeah. That's cool. So yeah, I'm going to just go through and kind of ask you some closeout questions. But I got to tell you, there's a lot of takeaways from this podcast. I mean, awesome. it's nice to hear someone that has done both. Because a lot of times you've worked in the same industry. You've gone on your own. You've gone the franchise. 
and it just goes to show a lot of people have a bad taste about franchises because they say I could have done this on my own, but it's so easy to think that until you did it on your own and then you became a franchise. So I think a lot of the people that are on a franchise, they don't realize how much a franchise does for them. And that's good to know. I mean, I, I got a good friend called Kitchen Tune-Up and they do an amazing job. She runs an amazing show and takes care of all the franchisees. And I was able to talk to them and they're just, they're amazing what they do there. You know, they just want to help. And I was going to ask, first we start out with, someone wants to reach out to you, talk maybe a little bit about franchises, maybe maybe even about uh, AirServe. What's the best way to reach you, Jim? Yeah, I mean, my email, um, phone, I mean, I'm fine with whatever form. I love talking about this stuff. So one thing you did talk about was as people see success, the thing that's been uh, really amazing to me is so many people that I've met that have seen success, they want to pay it back. They want to pay it forward. They want to help somebody else that's trying to get where they were. You know, they see these people that are doing things that they used to struggle with and they want to help. And I'm the same way. You know, I hear you talk about it. Uh, you know, Josh Kelly, the way the franchise, all these franchise consultants. I mean, there's several franchise consultants that it used to own air serves and, and they're the same way. It's like, how do we pay it forward? You know, we're so thankful of what things that were provided to us and everything and the things that have benefited them. And it's like, what can we do to help other people now? And I'm, I'm the same way. Anything I can do to help anybody, I always would easily. Yeah, willfully. And uh, if you're an email person, my email is A as in Apple, S as in Sam, B as in Victor. And then my name, Jim Fetter, J-I-M-F-E-T-T-E-R at gmail.com. So, yeah, man. Welcome talking to anybody. I really do. Yeah, there you go. You know, I always ask the three books. Uh, you got three books that have changed your life or helped you. Sounds like uh, Brian Tracy quite a bit. Yeah, Brian Tracy. And then uh, Brian Tracy is huge for me. And he's got so much content out there. Yeah, the, the law of the lid. Steve Truett, the president of AirServe, one of the smartest people you ever meet in the industry. So smart. And he's just, he talks about so many different books. It's hard to read them all. I'm not a big reader and stuff like that anyway, but Law of the Lid is like one that's really hit home with me that Steve's talked a lot about at our meetings and stuff with, you know, business can only grow as far as I, as my leadership skills will take it. So that's another real powerful one. E-Myth, obviously, I think that's a staple for service-oriented businesses. The E-Myth is another really popular one, a really good one. So, yeah. What, what did you say the, uh, you said it's the CEO, what's his name? Steve Truitt. Truitt. I don't think I know who that is. Yeah, T-R-U-E-T-T. Mm-hmm. Steve Truitt. Okay. You know, we talked about so many things, and it sounds like you're just a wholesome, good, something about just people. You just get to meet people that want to get back and just, you know what I love to hear is that you, you feel like you're fortunate to have been into this franchise. You're thankful. It's a great time to be thankful right now. But, yeah. but, you know, you're actually a person that sees where you've been and you realize how fortunate you are. And it's really nice that you feel that way because so many people feel like they're entitled to success. That's just not the case. I'm going to let you kind of just close us out, give us a few words, and maybe just anything that's on your mind that we might have not touched or maybe even something we did touch in the podcast. But I'll give you free reign here to do what you uh, need to do. All right. Yes, yeah, and this kind of gets back to Steve again. He's just been very inspirational over the years with things that he said and everything. 
you know, one of the biggest things that I've ever heard, a couple of the biggest things, he has some little stories that he tells and stuff like that. One of them is, you know, if you do what you've always done, you'll get what you've always got. And my breaking out of that box was joining the franchise. It truly was. That was the start of taking me down a whole different career path and a whole different lifestyle and life in general on a personal level and a business level. So I I really do thank him for everything he's done with those things. They also talk about, and it's kind of funny because I, I got a seven year old boy. He means the world to me. He's everything to me and everything. And Steve used to tell his story also about how do you eat an elephant one bite at a time. And that's powerful, man. I've talked to people, uh, friends that are going through nursing school and it feels overwhelming to them. And I tell them that story about how do you eat an elephant one bite at a time. I've told my seven-year-old son that story so that he knows when things start weighing down on him too much, don't let it overwhelm you. It's not about the big goal. It's little things and you can get there. They're simple, right? How simple is that? How do you eat an elephant one bite at a time? And if you do what you've always done, you get what you've always got. I mean, it's just kind of common sense stuff. But until you say it and you hear yourself say it and you start thinking about what you're actually saying, it's like that's when you really get it, that you got to break out of your box, out of your comfort zone and do things that are uncomfortable, don't feel right. And once you do them enough times, then doing it the wrong way feels wrong. And that's how it needs to be. That's what it's all about, breaking out of our comfort zone, doing some things that we're not used to doing and see where that leads us, man. See where that leads us in life. I love it. I want to say one more thing because you reminded me during my calls last week, at the end of the year, we get all the management together and we go through what did we do this year that we didn't do last year? What have we grown to? And man, people started ripping off things. We made a list. There was like 30 things. And we're not just talking, started taking a new credit card. I mean, we're talking about monumental, crazy aspects. And that's the things. Sometimes we need to look back and say, so many times I want to move forward and so many things to do. There's so many big goals. But man, when you start to look back and see what you accomplished over the last year from where you were a year and a half, two years ago, and you're thankful and the entire team is thankful and you're doing things to celebrate, that's when you know you got something. And I love that. How do you eat an elephant one bite at a time in the consistency chain? You know, there's there's these there's military you go through and you, you become a Navy SEAL. And Navy SEAL is like the elite of the elite of the elite. And when you become a Navy SEAL, just to become in the the Navy, they make you give up because you've got a full week of this stuff. But the guys, they're the same, same, let's pretend the same height, same weight, same mental capacity, same exact endurance. Everything's the same. Best friends. The one that sees just make it to lunchtime. You know you can make it to lunch. But if you think to yourself, I got to make it this whole week, on day one, you're going to ring the bell. But if right. the person that says in small goals, I know I can make it another hour. I know I can make it one more cigarette. I know I can make it one more day without booze. I know this. I know this. I know this. Those are the people that are successful because it's not that hard. It's the simple little goals. It's a small bite and it's continued progression. And to be able to notice that it's huge. And just those two little simple things you said, I think they'll stick with people. And I got to tell you, Jim, it's been a pleasure having you on. There's a lot of great insight here. I'm very excited because a lot of people, I've talked good and bad about franchises, but you've done both. You're one of the only guests I've had that have been in the same industry with living both. So very excited for this to air. And I I can't thank you enough for coming on. 
Hey, man, I appreciate you having me, Tommy. I hope that uh, maybe that cracks some minds open and they'll start thinking outside the box. Do it. Go for it. Don't be scared, right? Just go for it. You fall on your face. I had uh, one of my earliest technicians that I ever worked with that was training me. He was an older gentleman, and I used to talk to him about going into business for myself. And he said, Jim, he said, do it. And this before I ever went into business for myself. He said, do it. Worst thing you do is you fall on your face, but you're young. You can get back up. He said, I'm older, retirement age. I can't do those things. Go for it, Jim. So, I mean, that's what I'll leave people with. Go for it. Just go for it. Worst thing can happen, you don't succeed. You can pick up the pieces, make some changes, and go at it again, right? Yeah. Great words, Jim. Appreciate awesome. you very much. We'll, uh, we'll connect soon. Thank you so much. Sounds good. Thanks, Tommy. Hey, guys, I just wanted to thank you real quick for listening to the podcast. From the bottom of my heart, it means a lot to me. And I hope you're getting as much as I am out of this podcast. Our goal is to enrich your lives and enrich your businesses and your internal customers, which is your staff. And if you get a chance, please, please, please subscribe. You're going to find out all the new podcasts. You're going to be able to ask me questions to ask the next guest coming on. And, and do me a quick favor. Leave a quick review. It really helps us out when you like the podcast and you leave a review. Make it four or five sentences. Tell us how we're doing. And I just wanted to mention real quick, we started a membership. It's homeservicemillionaire.com forward slash club. You get a ton of inside look at what we're going to do to become a billion dollar company. And uh, we're just, we're, we're, we're telling everybody our secrets basically. And people say, why do you give your secrets away all the time? And I'm like, you know, the hardest part about giving away my secrets is actually trying to get people to do them. So we also create a lot of accountability within this program. So check it out. It's homeservicemillionaire.com forward slash club. It's cheap. It's a monthly payment. I'm not making any money on it to be completely frank with you guys, but I think it will enrich your lives even further. So thank you once again for listening to the podcast. I really appreciate it.